disciples. And, and really, actually, this is more beautiful than that. A whole group of Greeks who are gathered around and spiritual leaders of the day. And he's looking at them and saying, there is a purpose and a mission that I am here for. And, and, and here's what it is. And then, and then before he, he gave the great unveiling, the angels started singing about it. And, and he's looking at them. And then after the angels sing about this moment, this is, this is the glorious we, by the way. This is why we gather as a church. Because the angels started singing about it. And he looked at them. The angels finished. Wouldn't you like a moment like that? Like, you know, we're just sitting in church. All of a sudden, the angels... Why, and by the way, some of you are saying, that'd be neat. It couldn't happen. Why not? I mean, why, why not just a moment right before the choir breaks out in song where the angels just sing something and they say, oh, by the way, they, they have a message coming for you. And, and this was the message for you. And we sang it first. Now here comes your choir. Choir members should get excited about that. Like, whoa, Lord. And so the angels just sang it. And Jesus looked and said, in case there's any mystery to this moment... This wasn't for me, and this wasn't to assure me, because I'm sure this was for you. This was for his glory. This was for his name. And so, men, when they lift me up from this earth, when I am lifted up, and he's, he literally is saying, because he says a couple verses later, you don't have to be mystery about this interpretation. The interpretation is, when I am lifted up on the cross and I, and I give my life and I shed my blood and I give my body for you, when that happens, men and women and children will be drawn to me. And they will be drawn to rescue. And there will be a much greater story that's going on. And the glorious we is not, new guy here, we should sing a little more. New guy preaching today, we should sing a little more. New other thing. No, no. The reality is, when we as the body of Jesus Christ lift up the name of Jesus Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ, when we, to go with Galatians 6.14, boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ, for in the cross of Jesus Christ, the world dies to us and we die to the world. When that is the fulcrum of the life of Mandarin, he will draw men, women, and children to himself, and there will be great God stories written. And that's, that's where we want to land as a body to say, Lord, we want to lift you up. We exist to lead. That, that's just the thought today. God, we exist to lead people, and we're going to kind of unpack this over the next weeks. We exist to lead people to transform living in and through only Jesus Christ. And that means we're here. And we're, I mean, we're calling a God to the next generation because we're here because we're desperately longing for God to cause us and use us to lead. And, and, and look, and Ryan said this very well a little while ago, and I can't even remember his exact sentence, but the reality is you are leading someone somewhere. In fact, you're leading the people in your sphere of influence right now. It's just the reality. The question is, where are we leading them? And are we leading them to a great story about a great God and about a great Savior whose great name is the only name that we want to lift high? And so if you're, if you're mysterious about this, we know this. Not a mission statement, not staff, not music, Jesus. The glory of the name of Jesus. And we believe that when we speak Jesus, believe Jesus, live Jesus, boast in the cross of Jesus, center our lives around Jesus, it becomes profound. And I was praying about this, and when I was praying about this, I had a little more um, time. And granted, we have all the time we want, except you'll fall asleep on me or get hungry. So I, I'm going to respect the time of the day and just say the next couple of weeks we're going to take and unpack some thoughts about where we're leading. And, and I thought it very fitting to talk about, um, you know, the lampstand again and just to be reminded if you weren't here last week that the church is described as a lampstand. The entirety of the book of Revelation was a, 
a look backwards at the Old Testament beauty and wonder of the tabernacle and just the reality that the lampstand was there and the purpose of the church, the purpose of the body of Christ is to illuminate. I mean, God has, has put us on this planet. And in case you're wondering about that, he put us here. And if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you're collectively gathered with those of us called the ecclesia, the, the gathered body of Jesus Christ. He's put us here to turn a light on. And say there's hope here. There's light here. We're clear about that light. We don't have mystery about this. And, and I love to go back to the Old Testament picture of the showbread. The showbread was, was the only thing the light was given to illuminate. And the priest was put there around the clock. Saying don't let this light turn off. Don't let the beauty of what we're about. Don't let this turn off. And he's just looking saying. And look there's a thousand things the church can illuminate. And believe me. We'll, actually we'll probably talk about some of these things over the next weeks. We tend to so mess this up. We, we, we bifurcate the process by simply saying, we think we'll bring something else under. We'll illuminate something else. We'll be about something else. The day that we move away from saying, Jesus, when he is lifted up, will draw men and women to himself, and he will bring the glorious rescue. The day we start to say, as a church, we should illuminate this. We should be about this. We should be about that. We have then turned the light off of what it belongs. And better said, it's not a what. Turn the light off of who belongs. It's, just, it's there. To, we are here to turn a light on and say, God, use us. And I, and I love that truth to just say, um, Lord, um, and, and God doesn't play around with this. I don't think he was saying to the New Testament church, and this, this could open up a whole theological quagmire, but I don't believe he was saying to the seven churches in the book of Revelation, I'm going to remove me because you can't remove him when you're a follower of Christ. What I think he was looking at the seven churches and saying, this Here's what I think you're saying. This is a big deal. What you're about as a church is a huge deal. When you say the words, we exist to to illuminate Christ and turn the light on him, I am the Lord, he was saying to John, as John wrote the book of Revelation, and I as the Lord think this is significant. And, and, And here's what you should know, crossing over from an Old Testament tradition to a New Testament reality. What does Jesus in the book of Revelation, what, what does he use to describe the church? It is a, look, I mean, you have a cheater. I mean, it's completely in the room. It's a lampstand. And he just looks and says, and look, look, I'm serious about this. And I, I, The church at Ephesus, which is I'm looking forward to talking about in a couple of weeks. The church at Ephesus, he says, if, if you don't fall in love with me again. Because look, here's what he said to them. You're doing a lot of things well. You're, you've fallen out of love with me. And so you've you started to illuminate the programs. Or you actually thought this Ryan guy was the game changer. You, all, you actually thought that was what was going to be the big deal. And he's not the big deal. If he's not making a big deal of me, he misses it. And I'm just looking at you, church. And here's what he says to the church at Ephesus. I believe, Ephesus, I believe it's Revelation 4. But he says to the church at Ephesus, look, I will remove your lampstands. What's he mean by that? I will remove the influence that you have. You will make no impact in this planet. And I don't know anybody sitting in this room who have said, we wholesale our lives to Jesus. You have rescued us for your great salvation that would turn around and say, oh, that's not a big deal. If he pulls a lampstand out, not a big deal. No, it's a huge deal. It is a defining deal. It is why we're here. I mean, if you're literally, if you've got nothing else to do on Sunday morning to come in and not be worried about a lampstand, then what in the world are you doing here? Every one of us in this room ought to be centered in the question of our hearts should be this. God, as a church, are we passionate about the name of Jesus Christ? As a church, can you look at us and walk among us? 
Can you walk into our Bible study world? Can you venture over to the chapel? Can you sit down at coffee with the pastor and look at him and say, when I walk away from that, Jesus is what resonates from their hearts. In every one of those venues, and if not, I believe it invites a brokenness and a move toward the things of God because here's what, gosh, I'm going to start preaching my sermon. Here's what he says to the church at Ephesus. Repent. Be broken over where you are. And here's what he then says, and return to what you did before. Maybe this is what we're supposed to hear today, so I'll just pause here and land here. Here, Here's what he's looking at. He says, look, I, I know what you have done in the past. I know what you've been about, and you have let that slip away. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to come back to me. And I want you to find your sustenance in me. And I want you to find your source of life in me. And, I, I, and here's what I think Jesus says to the church at Manor. I want to be your first love. I want to be the thing that wakes you up in the morning. And, and, and I want your kingdom. Oh, wait, I'm talking to the Lord. I want my kingdom to be the thing that keeps you up at night. If, if Ryan, when Ryan was talking, if it didn't resonate with you, it, it should. I want you to trade your small story for my great one. I want you to be about the things that I'm about. And I want you to remember, and here's where he says in in Revelation, I want you to remember how good it was to bask in me and to find your fullness in me. I have have one thought. I want to read a scripture and then say, let's let's open this next, the next two or three weeks. Moses had the same thing as he stood with the church and he said, we're on the precipice of something great. In fact, I think this is where we're going to end because I feel like we should end just teetering on the precipice saying, Lord, are we willing to say you alone? So just know, I'm I'm about to read scripture and say, we're standing on the edge. Where are we? Where do we go? Because Moses looked at a group. He was literally, um, I love this. Um, As you think of of the senior saints in the room, I I would really resonate with Moses if, if... if I were in, in this realm of the senior saints, what do you want to speak into the lives of the next generation as you sit into a day like today? You know, you're sitting in and going, oh, I'm raising my kids. I'm not, this doesn't mean nearly as much to me as it might to some others. You know, for me, uh, three kids in a youth group, big deal. No, but, but, but Moses, I, I love in, in Genesis, the sixth chapter, he, he speaks into the lives of the people and he speaks destiny. He speaks glory. He speaks wonder into their lives. And he says, here's here's what I want you to know. If this is what you'll be about, you will change the world. And and here's here's what he's looking at. And here's, this is so profound for all of us. Here's, Here's what he's looking at. He knows he's not going there. I mean, mean, think about these words he's about to speak over them. And he says, I know that I personally am not about to experience what you're about to experience, but I want to set you up and I want to prepare the way. And and I know that that this is what I'm praying, not just physical life, but spiritual life. I'm looking at a group of of the next generation and I knew today would be about that. And I know I may not go some places they go and we're sitting on the edge and I would want to press this truth deeply in their lives. And Moses is looking at them, and he knows this. This is what he knows about them as he, as he prepares to write these words, and he says, we're on the cusp. He, he knows that they're going to go into the land of Canaan, and he knows cultural values will not match theirs. He knows that people groups are going to be in that world that don't have anything to do or cherish 
the showbread. He knows that they're going to be drawn away from their culture. He knows that they run that risk. He knows that, that, that they're going to walk into much, and, and, th- and this is what could happen for them because they are going to have much. They may decide that that much is enough. And they may actually start to think that's what they're hungry for, and they never gain satisfaction. And he's looking and saying, your much will never be enough because you were not made for that. You were made for this. And he looks at them and he's saying all of this to them and they're standing on the precipice. And in Genesis, the sixth chapter, in my opinion, some of the greatest verses in all of scripture is just spoken over this group. And he says, if you're sitting on the edge, this is what I want you to be about. If you're sitting on the edge, I I think I just long for you. Why am I saying Genesis? Deuteronomy would be so much better because I'm sitting looking at Genesis going, this has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, would be so good. In, in the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, he's just sitting with them and he says, this, if, if I could say to you, we're on the edge, here, here's what I would tell you, oh, you lampstands. I would say to you, hear, oh, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and I love when, when I'm about to read, when one of the religious people of the day came to Jesus and said of all the great laws what would you say this is what Jesus said he summarized the Pentateuch in a couple of sentences love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all your strength these commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts and listen listen this is where this is where it gets good in lieu of calling a pastor to our students are you ready for this because this isn't his role this is our role this is a we Here's, here's what I want you to do. Remember, remember, he's not going to experience this. He's sending them into uncharted territory. He is passionate about the mission they have. And he is saying to them, here's how you make it. Here is how you live as the lampstand in the land of Canaan. Here's how Mandarin lives for the glory of God in the midst of non-glory out there. Here, here, you want to hear? Here it is, here it is, here it is. He says... These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Time them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and write them on the gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob, to give you a land large, flourishing cities. You didn't build them. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig. And vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful you do not forget the Lord, for he is a great rescuer. So let's just bring it all together. Wouldn't it be amazing as we impress these on the hearts of our children to look and say, I can't believe the rescuer that lives among them. I cannot believe that there is a God among Mandarin that rescues like that. And the people whose eyes are wide and mouths are open and hands are lifted to a great and rescuing God. That's the prayer that I have for us as a church. And, and for the next few weeks, we will talk about where we're leading and what we're doing. But maybe we could just stop and say, God, we sense, at least I do, and I think we do, 
we sense we're on the edge of something and we want it to be all you. We sense and are praying, Lord, that as a church, there will be no other name that will be lifted up but the name of Jesus Christ. We're really praying as a church that the only thing that we'll show off is you. And we're really praying that, that our name, our stuff, what we have will shrink. And we can actually be a little like John the Baptist and watch your name decrease. And maybe, maybe this is where I close. And God, I, I would pray that the stories that we keep wanting to write about ourselves will go away. And that we will move our lives into the one glorious, everlasting story. And that is the story of the cross and the rescue and the Savior, Jesus Christ, who stands over eternity and personally in the midst of us. That's the prayer. That's what we must illuminate. Amen? Yeah. Lord, I pray again, your words, not mine. God, if you are lifted up, not if. God, when you are lifted up, you will draw men and women and children to yourself. And so, Lord, we just really want to make a lot of you. We want you to be the glorious one among us. We want you to be the famous one among us. And so, God, I pray for a humility to really take root in the heart of Mandarin. God, I pray for a humility and brokenness. I pray for a sensitivity to your spirit and your voice. I pray for what Ryan shared about this morning. I pray for an obedience to your voice, not just a sensitivity and a hearing, but a doing. And willingness to say, Lord, whatever and however we're in. And Jesus, I pray right now as we come to a moment of, of responding to you, that God, our response will be, yes, Lord. You, Lord. Jesus, you're it. You're the glorious one. I pray this because there is no name under heaven by which men are saved. There is no name under heaven by which we long to move our lives toward. So it's in that name I pray that we hope and that we worship. In Jesus' name, amen.